Hey guys, thank you for being here. This is the Lifelong Podcast, and I'm your host, Heidi Kumjan. I'm a holistic health and nutrition coach with a passion for non toxic living. You can follow me at Holistic with Heidi on Instagram, and you can also follow the podcast at lifelong underscore pod. Also, be sure that you're subscribed so that you don't miss an episode. Today, I'm joined by Parker Brooke of Lovebird which is a gut health boosting, organic, grain-free, and refined sugar-free cereal company. Sign me up. Oh my gosh. And even on the front of the box, all of the ingredients are listed. And there's just a few ingredients and they're so clean. So I personally am such a big fan because of the transparency, the clean ingredients, and the superb taste. Try the cacao one and thank me later. I like to eat it in the morning with a little bit of homemade cashew milk, and maybe I'll add in some extra seeds or fruit if I'm feeling it. But this conversation is really fun because Parker worked in big food. So he worked on the other side where the big conglomerate he worked for, it was all about profit and not about health. And now he started his own company that is all about purpose and health. And he even donates a decent percentage to cancer, which is super cool. He has a lot going for him and his company, and he's purely independent, which that's a very attractive quality as a buyer, in my opinion. And he's also just super cool guy to chat with. So I think you're really going to love this episode. With that, let's welcome Parker Brooke. Hey, Parker, how's it going? Good, going great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's so fun to um, interview you because we both are very passionate about clean living and ingredients, and um, you're really kind of paving the way for creating a new approach to food, especially with foods that are kind of marketed towards children. I'm a big fan of your cacao cereal. It is so addicting. Um, All of your cereals are delicious, but I just love the cacao. Um, But I would, I'd love for you to start by sharing about your experience working in the big food industry, because obviously that is like night and day different to what you're doing now. So while you were working in the big food industry, can you kind of describe at which describe the point at which you realized there had to be a better way? Definitely. And as you mentioned, it's night and day, right? The operating standard at a big food company versus, you know, as you call it, my approach to just food and the food we serve our country and our families and obviously our kiddos as well. Uh, is a very different approach. But for me, there was kind of a couple different points that accumulated uh, or crescendoed into uh, the birth of my daughter that kind of gave me the courage to 
make the leap and, you know, so to speak, jump the nest and create Lovebird. And so it was kind of a slow boil. When I first joined uh, the big food company I worked at, which is General Mills, I was very excited. I have a huge passion for food, a passion for the importance of food and the community and just how it brings people together. I wasn't as far along on my own personal health journey with food as medicine, uh, but I was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition and learned about the power of food and used it in my diet to help manage symptoms and also just improve my overall quality of life. And I think that was a very uh, sharp wake up call for me. And at that point, I was trying to do things within the big food company, right? I, I launched some grain free granolas. I did a lot of health and wellness items, uh, but it eventually became clear that, and it's not anything wrong with it from a business standpoint. Like if you think about how huge Cheerios are or Yoplait is or Nature Valley is, these are billion dollar brands, mm -hmm. you know, from a business perspective, like you would never disrupt those huge brands that are highly profitable uh, with questionable ingredients, the more you kind of peel back the layers and, and dig into the ingredients, right? Mm -hmm. And so that became clear that the writing was on the wall, that like my ability to affect change within a broader organization was limited. And I kind of got wrapped up into climbing the ladder, right? Like I wanted to get to the next rung uh, and then I became a dad and then it called into question everything. I sort of was like, what am I doing? I just brought this beautiful little girl into the world and it reframed my understanding and appreciation for time. And it really became clear that that was the time I needed to go do something. Uh, and so shortly after she was born, uh, I left and created Lovebird or what would become Lovebird. Uh, it was about three months before the full swing of the pandemic. So no one saw that coming, uh, but it, it added to the complexity of, of launching a business during peak COVID. Uh, but I wouldn't have done it any other way because I ultimately wound up becoming the primary caregiver for my daughter for about eight months while I was starting up Lovebird. And there oh, was wow. nothing more powerful than having your muse with you literally every second of every day and nothing more exhausting than my <laughs> dad. But it was also, she was there the entire time. Like she tested and tasted every prototype, every recipe. Uh, you That's know, I'd show so her packaging cool. and she'd draw on it with crayons. Uh, it was kind of a very unique experience, but I, I think it added to the the power of what Lovebird actually became yeah. uh, because there was no shortcuts taken because I had to look her in the eyes and be like, oh, do I feel comfortable using tapioca starch versus cassava flour or mm -hmm. non-organic ingredients versus organic ingredients? Mm -hmm. And, you know, quite simply, I wanted to make the cleanest cereal and ultimately cleanest packaged food items possible uh, with real food from the earth and no fake stuff. And so uh, it Love was it. a measure of accountability that I think is rare when you're starting something to have your muse and inspiration be there during the, the creation of it uh, was, was very powerful. That's really telling though, that, you know, your, your daughter, the light, one of the lights of your life is right there with you while you're developing a product. It, it goes to show that you're not just creating something to be like, so 
obviously you want it to be profitable, but you're not just creating something for the profit. You're creating something for the purpose. And mm -hmm. that is what sells. Like, especially for the, the people like myself, which is a growing population of people that are very um, concerned with what's going on in, in big food and just big pharma and some of these, these big agriculture, some of these, these big things, people are really starting to question um, the way things are done. So I, I just love hearing that inspiration because it's really evident in the product you created the fact that it's it's so transparent um the way you know the ingredients are literally listed right there on the front it's not any of the greenwashing bs that a lot of brands are um mm. so i really really do commend you yeah and i think on that note too right you mentioned big food big pharma big ag i mean the key word in all of that is big right and i think having been within the big machine of big business, like it's very easy to see how people lose what you called authenticity or purpose, if there ever was any to begin with, uh, right. which is highly questionable for some <laughs> of these products. Uh, but it's so easy to see how people get lost in that because everything's yeah. a number. It's no right. longer a person. It's what's our market share. We need 1% more of the population to buy gushers. Like, how do we do that? But the question really never is, should we be selling this in the first place? And what could we be selling instead? Uh, there's no appreciation or empathy for the downstream consequences of, of a lot of these things. I mean, you look at some of these yeah. companies earlier on, and now it's a little bit more covert, but just dumping things into rivers and into oh. farmland. And it just like, that was the most cost effective thing to do in the moment. Mm -hmm. And if your objective is to maximize for profit, why wouldn't you do that? There's no thought to the second and third order consequences that right. ultimately impact us for generations, right? As you see with the level of yeah. glyphosate within our water, within our air, within our food, uh, it's this, these things are now becoming a part of us. Like our environment is an extension of us. The soil yes. is essentially what we wind up eating. Yeah. And so like, I, I'm, my hope is, you know, obviously, as you said, like Lovebird needs to be profitable and grow to realize the change that I want to achieve and that people like yourself who support and really help Lovebird fly want as well. Uh, but it's that broader focus on like what business should be in our world. And I, I think the capitalism at all costs, profit at all costs model is is dated. Uh, yeah, it is. And it, there needs to be an evolution with business where capitalism is still at the heart of it, but it's capitalism, you know, some people say with a conscious. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's just like, you know, profit with purpose, right? And that's why like in addition that. to cleaning up the ingredients in our food system, also having a charitable cause in terms of fighting childhood cancer, which is the number one cause of death by disease for children, <laughs> and historically underfunded, you know, I remember picking, I was trying to figure out what amount to, to donate. And, you know, my big food marketing brain was like, well, just enough that people care. And I was like, I wanted it to be meaningful. Right. Mm -hmm. And when I tell people I give 20% of my profit, they're like, you're crazy. Uh, but it, it's not like, I'm not in business to profit for myself. Uh, I want to profit for our health and for 
kiddos fighting cancer and have bigger ambitions on a broader platform to help children learn more about food and where it comes from, to help out with kids in school lunch and school breakfast, uh, mm. and really affect at a broader scale. I think Lovebird is still relatively small versus a lot of the Goliaths out there. And But as I grow, I have a much broader vision for what I want this to be outside of just cereal and outside of even just food. Wow. Yeah, that's like you're doing it all. And that's in, incredible, hard to come by. I mean, even just the the sole fact that you're selling something that is contributing to health and wellness and not making people sick like that's huge in and of itself but the fact that you're also being a voice for kids with cancer and donating 20% of your profit it's like oh my gosh you are doing a lot and that that again is really um it's just a great thing to do for not only the the kids with cancer or the people maybe with autoimmune, but th- this is the kind of change that I think other brands, other people that maybe have an idea, they see, okay, well, Lovebird, Parker Brooke is doing this. I can do this too. What can I come up with to help solve these problems that are really big? So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's easy and I was guilty of it as well. When you look at these big problems and then you look in the mirror, you're just like, I'm one person. Like, what can I do? How could I even impact change? And I think a lot of people carry the mantra of vote with your dollar, uh, which I think is 100% true. And I think that's what's fueling Lovebird at the moment. I mean, people are voting every time they buy a box of Lovebird for a better food future and a better, I guess, business with purpose future as well and overall just a better future for all of us and so i think it's easy to look at these big daunting problems and think well what can i do but i think my realization has been every big change is like thousands and millions of people thinking the same thing and doing the same thing Mm -hmm. and that's how you get big change it's kind of a slow building wave where there's one person maybe at the beginning of the way, but it builds and builds and builds and builds until it finally reaches its peak. And so I I feel like this community of people like yourself and people listening, like we've been at it for a long time, right? And it's time that this belief and philosophy and motivation now comes into actual business where we can affect change at an even bigger level. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, you know, I get questions all the time, like, what if someone tries to copy you? And I'm just like, I wish they would. Like, <laughs> that would be great if there's more people doing this. And I have not seen a company to date that does what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, even ones that you think are great and are doing positive things, they're beholden to shareholders. I own 100% of Lovebird. I make every decision for Lovebird. There's no That's venture capital really fund cool. or investor or certainly no big company that owns me. Mm-hmm. And so that's what allows me to have a voice that is very non-traditional within the food space, right? You see a yeah. lot of brands that are like, check out this new... And I, guess I still do the recipe stuff because I love food and I love recipes, but also just trying to raise awareness on things that 
a lot of other companies wouldn't touch because it's a little controversial. Uh, yeah. But I think in order to enact the change we need, you can't be quiet, right? You can't right. be. And so, uh, yeah. you know, it's my goal to remain independent. Uh, and it only works with people like yourself and people that buy the products to help keep Lovebird free, essentially. Mm. Uh, and so it, it's an interesting time for sure. I, I think yeah. there's a new generation of people that want it even more and want change within business and want change within food. And Lovebird represents that, right? And it's, I think you hit the key, the word on the head with authenticity, which the second you say it as like someone who touts it, it's kind of diluted a little bit. But like for me, it's just like I'm a person selling food that I would sell my daughter with broader visions and aspirations for what food can be and what business can be. And it's just as simple as that. And so, you know, very appreciative for people like yourself and those listening that, you know, together we can do this and we are doing it. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, 2023 is going to be a big year for Lovebird and a big year for all of us. Mm, that's so exciting. Yeah, I I have to go back to what you were saying about the, you know, being a voice and this change really starts on a small scale and then there's there's this this wave to this broader vision. And I just couldn't agree more because um, in the work that that I do, I uh, I'm a health coach and nutritionist and help people with their individual health goals. But also I'm an an educator on non-toxic living. And with that, it can feel very daunting for people when they start learning about these different chemicals or toxins and what they do to the do to the body. And then it, it's easy to fall in this trap of, oh my gosh, everything is a toxin. Oh my gosh, the government, whatever, like everyone's out to get us and the world is falling apart and everyone's sick and whatever. But what I encourage people to do is to make these these small changes every single day moving forward, as as long as you're moving forward every single day with these small, meaningful changes, eventually they start compounding and getting bigger. And next thing you know, you're your lifestyle. You've created this lifestyle. And not only is that lifestyle for yourself, but the next step after that is the people around you start seeing what you are doing and how you are thriving. And it starts trickling and it becomes exponential. Mm. And being able to have um, various platforms online with my podcast and and blog and, and Instagram, I really just want to get the the word out there that small is okay because it will get bigger over time. And um, I know I'm going off a little bit on a, a different tangent here, but I'm just trying to echo that it's okay if we're, we're just an individual making a small change because it it's becomes profound over time. Yeah, and I 100% agree. But don't let perfection get in the way of progress. And, you know, the simplest analogy is like someone who wants to run a marathon thinks they have to like run a marathon right away, but it starts with like a one mile run or even starts with a walk down the block, right? No matter where you are, you can start today, but don't get 
don't be intimidated by what it might look like a few years from now. But totally, I mean, the power of compounding and health and compounding and decision making, it's the eighth wonder of the world, right? And so showing up day in and day out and just doing a little bit is better than showing up once a month and trying to do a lot, right? And so Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. And having been someone who's built Lovebird, it's literally started in my basement uh, with cereal, like shipping Mm -hmm. every box and it, it's just like I truly there. appreciate, I yeah, truly appreciate the process, because um, I just built it differently, right? I, I didn't mm-hmm. go out and raise a bunch of money and have a bunch of people tell me what I should, yeah. Or could or I, I want to talk about that too, because that's yeah. that's super cool to me. <laughs> like, yeah, and so yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, just start and do a little bit. And eventually those good decisions just compound. Like you start mm-hmm. being more active, making better food decisions. And I think to your point as well, it's so easy to look at all the negative things going on, but we have a lot to be grateful for and a lot to be positive about. Uh, it's obviously not being ignorant of the negative things it's being mindful of them so we can change them over time. Uh, but there's just no way you're going to eliminate every toxin from your life, right? It's really about managing it and controlling your cup and making sure it doesn't fill or spill over. Right. Uh, and so that's kind of a point. Cause I went through a point in my journey where I was just like, I don't want to leave the house. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like there's, there's toxins yeah. everywhere. Like what's in my water, what's in the yeah, air, in the air. Yeah. you have to live your life and uh, obviously drive for the change you want to see and and make smart decisions based on information for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have a question for you. This is jumping back even further <laughs> to our, um, the initial question I asked, but I want to hear more about how you, I know your daughter was born. You also had an autoimmune and that's how you got into this, this world of kind of questioning, um, the, the narrative with food. How did you actually learn this information? Like what were you reading things? Were you just on, on Google a lot? Like for myself, it was years and years of just every type of research possible. Um, but I'm just really curious, how did you really start learning about all this because especially when you're in that world and you're in your lane of of big food and just doing your job which I'm sure you were amazing at like I'm just I want to know how did you learn how did you snap out of that traditional way of thinking yeah and I think oftentimes it doesn't happen unless there's like a big event and for me it was like Truly, I mean, I've had symptoms. It's not like when you're diagnosed, that's exactly when you got it, right? Like you've had it for a while. And I always knew that there was something a little off with, you know, feeling fatigued a lot and just like the brain fog and all of that. And so I had been starting to experiment with like food as medicine, which is diets, right? I think the first thing I did was like a whole 30 diet back when that was like very popular And I felt fantastic. And then for me, it's always about understanding first principles, which is essentially just what makes that work, right? Like, it's not the fact that like Whole30 is this great thing. It's really because you're eliminating a lot of things. And so that kind of sparked this curiosity Mm -hmm. going down this journey with people like Dr. Mark Hyman and 
a lot of people in the space and listening to podcasts, uh, reading books, you know, documentaries are a little bit, uh, have their own narrative with them. They're a little bit slanted, but just doing my own research and just being immersed in it, right? Rather than having my hobby being watching sports, it's like I'm reading books and, and studying up on these things and using it because my motivation is to like be the healthiest version of mm-hmm. myself. And once I had that realization that the, the food is medicine is real and that you could literally change the way you feel within a week or even shorter, depending on what your diet looked like coming into it, mm-hmm. was like, wow, like this, it works. And it, I, I think I've heard this analogy before, but it's everybody's walking around kind of in a fog with the standard American diet. And once you make that change, you're like, wow, like I didn't, didn't know I had realize. this energy. I yes. didn't know I could sleep this well. I didn't know I right. could have this level of focus. I didn't know I could even be this happy. Uh, or content because happiness is kind of a fleeting thing, but just feeling of content and gratefulness. Uh, And so for me, that was an eye opener. And then, as I mentioned, like I was trying to apply those principles at General Mills and and launch some products that are kind of funny to see some people post Lovebird and this other product together. Uh, I'm like, oh, those are like two of my babies. Uh, (laughs) And it, it was this kind of slow journey. It's then all at once, like once my daughter was born, I was like, all right, I need to, I need to go. Like I can mm-hmm. no longer live my authentic self doing what I'm doing now. I can't go sell mermaid strawberry yogurt and like be happy with like my own food values and philosophy. Mm-hmm. And, so you know, you- I think it's powerful. Like even I'm sure you've been on this journey as well. Like once, no matter what you're doing and it could be very lofty or just, you know, very low to the earth. It's just like being yourself. There's so much power in that. And I think so many people compare themselves to others, think that they want things that other people want and you get lost in this river of life, this flow of life. And you never really look up and say, well, what do I want? And it's okay Mm -hmm. if you don't know what you want. And who am I doing this for? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that is, really important and also i'm assuming that when you made these changes i shouldn't say i'm assuming but i'd be curious when you made these these changes with food as medicine did you see your symptoms start decreasing did you see your energy levels improve did you see random things that you didn't even realize you were maybe suffering with start improving and then like, did that obvious, I'm assuming that occurred for you. And then that kind of became your fuel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, energy was like night and day. Uh, mental clarity was night and day. You know, the, the health of my body, joint pain, everything was night and day. I will say like, it is a journey and I'm sure given yes. what you do, you have a full appreciation for it. Like for me, my entry into truly like living a clean lifestyle and really being devoted to wellness was the entry point was food. And I thought that was like the end all be all right. And it helped. And then I kind of hit a wall and I was kind of getting frustrated just because there weren't a lot of convenient things. I was like cooking every meal and I was just like, I also want to enjoy my life, right? I don't want to spend all of my waking time prepping food and doing all these things. It's obviously important. But then that's when I became more aware of like the impact of movement or exercise, obviously sleep, like things as simple as hydration and just Mm 
having a much more holistic plan mm-hmm. helped me a lot more because when it was just food, I, I would just hit these walls or hit these roadblocks. And I've realized how important that like food is diet is the cornerstone, at least for me mm-hmm. and maybe some others, but is the cornerstone, but also all these other things. And once I combined it with exercise, that was like another huge breakthrough in terms of just, I went from relatively inactive to doing hundred mile bike rides. Like I did 10 in a year and did all of these things. And I was just like, I'm in the best shape of my life at 35 than I've ever been before Mm -hmm. because it was diet plus exercise. And then the layer above that for me was just this attitude of gratitude and just trying to seek the good and be positive and not get caught down, not get burdened by this scarcity mindset that I feel like a lot of people have where if I win, that means you lose. Like, I think we can all win. There's, there's enough, uh, enough space for everybody to be themselves and like live an authentic life. And not everybody wants the same things too. So, I mean, it was a journey. That was a long winded answer of saying it started with food. There's a lot of improvement, but I don't think it was complete until I started layering on things like exercise and movement and mindfulness and just trying to slow down. I mean, I think we're all at our core authentic or seek authentic things but our world is very materialistic with fake food, fake friends, you know, depending on where you're at, fake news. And it's just like, you just don't know what to believe. Right. And I think, you know, deep down what's true or not, you just have to tap into that intuition. Yes. I love that. That's something I preach about and and practice as well is, is tuning into that, that intuition and that inner voice to get those answers because or even just guidance. It's not that you need this, you're going to get like this crystal clear answer that just comes to you. Yes, sometimes you will have a breakthrough moment in a meditation or something like that. But we're in this world where we're so bombarded with information and stimuli. And when we give ourselves that that space to connect with ourselves, we are able to truly thrive. And I fully, I have a very similar story. I won't go into all the details, but for me, my journey started at age um, 15. And so that's 11 years ago. And it started with food. Like the biggest, the, the first thing I did, I was working with a doctor of Chinese medicine and she was doing acupuncture and and herbs and different things uh, for me but she also was asking me questions about what I was eating for lunch and mm. what my diet looked like and, and you know being a 15 year old it's like what like I just want to eat junk food and goldfish <laughs> and like I'm 15 but there was something within me at that very young age where I was really curious and I was hungry to learn to learn more and so anyway she and my mom really taught me a lot about uh, the, the power of food. And and similar to you, that was where it began. And then over these 11 years, I have unlocked different doors. I've, you know, gone through the, the mindset work. I have gone through some uh, 
very targeted detoxifications. Like there have been all these different kind of breakthrough moments that, that add up to my story. And I think, um, to kind of echo what you were saying, food is a really big keystone for a lot of people. And it's also almost like a, this is a a funny term, but almost like a gateway drug. It's like Mm -hmm. you, you learn about food, clean food, and then you realize, wait, what about my products? Mm. What about the water I'm drinking? You know, it's, it's a cool, it's a fuel in more ways than one. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you ask one question, you'll ask a thousand, right? right. And I think it's for me on this journey. And I, I think that word is perfect because I don't think there is a destination, right? Cause like the journey is the life you're living, you're doing the best you can, but you want to be the best version of yourself when you're doing that. But for me, it's like loosely held convictions, right? I'm always open to new information and things I can do to help improve and also cautious of some new things because there are a lot of uh, unique things that happen in this wellness community. And for me, the cornerstone in terms of diet is anchored by just real food. It's like an undisputed champion. Like the, the closer you can get to the source, whether it's local or to the, the whole food flowers that I use, uh, yes. the better. Like I, I, right. I don't need another study to tell me that like whole foods are better than anything that you know someone in a lab yeah. made. Right? Oh, so, exactly. Yeah, the lab. So like, I, food. I just think people get hung up on the nuance, and you see a lot of like the wellness community has grown so much, and has so many different neighborhoods within it you're starting to see these other accounts pop up that almost feel like they're sponsored by big food, like, like the food yes. science people. And I'm yes. like, I just like, you're going to sit there and tell people that like artificial sweeteners are okay. Like one, the science is out on it anyways. Like there's not consensus in either direction. Yeah. If anything, the information is trending to gut disrupting your gut microbiome, right. impacting your, your cravings and driving obesity um, but it's also like, it's paired with what, like you don't find artificial sweeteners in like good food to begin with. Like it's right. highly processed starches. It's things that your body hasn't evolved to, uh, leverage and consume and draw nourishment from. And so I'm just, I'm grateful for people like yourself that continue to hold strong. Cause I do feel like there's this weird, sea change going on where the message is starting to get diluted. And I I think that it's uh, pretty clear where it's coming from, but it's more important now than ever to, to kind of hold the line because as I look at it and I posted the other day about the story of a FDA scientist at one point, Fred, who discovered that trans fat was actually causing artery cloggage in hearts and leading heart disease and heart attacks and death. And he fought that fight for six decades before the FDA banned trans fats. And I guarantee you the same people that are saying things like seed oils are okay and artificial yeah. sweeteners are okay, were the same people at that point saying that trans fats are okay. Uh, and I just don't think we have the time to wait 58 years to have it become quote unquote mainstream accepted and FDA accepted. And so right. I, I just like anyone who says, like equates real food with these like man-made ingredients. I'm just sort of like, ah, I don't think so. Yeah. It's, it's completely wild. Like the f- seed oils and artificial sweeteners are a whole 
the whole thing in and of themselves that I will uh, spare the audience my my passion. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's funny. I shouldn't say funny that you mention these social media accounts because I have noticed the same exact thing. I've noticed a couple accounts pop up that feel, here we go back to the authenticity word, they feel so inauthentic. And I was thinking, I'm like, they're getting paid. They are getting paid by big food. They are getting paid by the FDA, by someone to say this nonsense. And mm-hmm. somehow those those people sharing that are getting a lot of views and their pages, they might have a lot of followers or their reels are getting a lot of views. Like not to get controversial here, but let's get controversial. There's, there's <laughs> some, yeah, I guess I, I'm. I'm someone who stirs the pot anyways. Um, But it it bothers me because I'm like, okay, how about these people? Shout out to myself and to you that are sharing really solid, amazing, not to toot our own horns, information about real food and about toxins and about solutions. But sometimes the people like myself, I feel that my, my content isn't as broadcasted. You know, not that I'm over here saying, oh, I need to get all these metrics and whatever. But the the point is, it's very obvious when a bigger conglomerate is involved because the video not only, or the content not only feels so inauthentic to listen to or to read through, but also you see their numbers and it's like, how on earth did this get so many views? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's something else at play for sure. And for me, ultimately the thought I have about it is just like who benefits, not even so much in terms of benefactors, but the audience to hear this conflicting information, but also, uh, the message it sends. It's like, obviously the standard American diet is not working like every metric across chronic disease or anxiety levels or mental health. Like there are all of these things that are at their worst levels in history. Right. Uh, Let's talk about some of that in a second too. And like diet is a part of the equation. I think the cornerstone of it that leads into all these other decisions. And it's like, all right, the message you're going to put out there is eat what you want. Food is a food, chemicals, a chemical, And I was like, isn't that just more of the same? Like, I just, like, even if you like drill it down to that simple of an argument that if nothing changes, nothing changes. And if nothing changes, we're going to have continuing skyrocketing obesity, diabetes, levels of cancer, uh, you know, childhood obesity is frightening. The fact that that is growing at a rapid clip, like it just is mind blowing that there's something broken that I'm trying to fix and that you're trying to fix and we as a community are trying to fix. And I just see it as counterproductive. I'm all for different opinions and they should yes. have their platforms and all of that. Like yes. have no problem with that whatsoever. Free speech. Uh, yeah. I'm just, I'm just like, I always ask myself the question, like if they're right or if they're wrong, what happens? Like real food, if like, 
undebatably better better for you. But exactly. if you're touting you're things like sucralose is good for you, uh, I'm just like, well, what if it's not? Like oftentimes it's in soda, which is loaded with sugar that's not great for you. And I think this re- yeah, I think this reductionist view of looking at single macros or single ingredients um loses the bigger picture where we all exist in this ecosystem and all these little things add up and a lot of the studies they reference right are measured in an acute way like just that one attribute not hey if you consume this plus the standard diet plus it's in all these other foods uh like how much are you actually consuming right and so uh, you know, not to get on a tangent or rant, it just is kind of topical for me right now as I'm mm-hmm. trying to wrap my head around it because uh, I'm always soaking up new information and trying to learn. And, you know, like you I said, can... it's a journey and there's always new things to learn. Yeah, I can tell that you're um, definitely doing your research and learning because the I just love the graphics that you or you and your team are sharing on the Lovebird Instagram account because you're sharing so much about not only um, exposing things about big food, but you're sharing a lot about these statistics. And these statistics about obesity and cancer and autoimmunity, autoimmune disease, like th- this is major and we need to we need to talk about it and we need to look at these stats and think. I think I saw a stat the other day. It was something about one in four kids entering high school or are obese. Mm. Or, you know, then then I hear I was listening to a podcast, I don't know, several months ago, and I really wanted to turn it off because this doctor was pissing me off. But um, <laughs> the... I didn't because I welcome differing opinions and I, I love, I love dialogue and I love, um, you know, just hearing these different opinions because that's how we learn and that's how we grow. Um, that's why it's really important to not censor people. So anyways, this doctor was talking about how obesity, she said, many doctors discriminate against obese people because she said that there, there's no way that obesity actually makes you more susceptible to diseases. She said that's just other doctors um, being discriminatory towards obese people. And I'm like, is this woman serious right now? It's not yeah. that we're fat shaming. It's not that we're making people feel bad because they're obese. That is not the case. Like, I've actually heard that trauma, um, especially sexual trauma, plays a big role in actually uh, why some people become obese, which is a whole other separate thing. But the point is, there's a lot of sympathy there for, mm. for those people. But we can't have doctors out here saying, oh, obesity is fine. Or we can't have a health magazine putting them morbidly obese person on the cover and saying this is health this this is not health Mm -hmm. and it it fired me up like to no to no end because i'm like this is not fair this is keeping people sick this is causing death how can we actually empower people yeah i mean 
there's a lot to unpack in there, but I, I think on a simple level, like obesity is di- is classified as a disease, right? And you know, there's a whole continuum of for me, it's just like, are you healthy, right? Like whatever your healthy looks like, go do that. Uh, but if you are clinically obese, then like you do need help. And it is a cofactor in many other diseases and uh, ultimately will shorten your lifespan, right? Like it just, it's facts. And right. I think there's like the fat shaming world and, and things like that, like, I don't partake in that. I think everyone can live their own healthy life and healthy looks different for everybody. Right. Um, But I mean, for doctors to say that like being obese is okay or normal is a little confusing because it's not, and we should be helping those and providing resources. And as you said, sometimes it's rooted in more, you know, psychological trauma than it is anything else. Mm -hmm. And you know, as you look at generations of it, like obesity won't go away with the increasing rates, but also then it becomes a generational thing where like, I I forget the exact stat, but it was like exponentially more likely to be obese if you have obese parents. And part of that is nature and nurture, but uh, it just sort of like, we're going to wind up in a world where everybody is sick and everybody is eating crap food and unhappy and just not the best versions of ourselves. And it's just not a future I want, which is why with Lovebird in particular, it's like, I want to change the packaged food that's being served, right? If someone Mm -hmm. is chowing down on a box of fruity pebbles, like I want something better for that person and ultimately educate them about the power of whole foods and the, the role of convenience foods or packaged foods in your diet. Um, but just to have options for people. Right. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of problems. Uh, I also equally get fired up about them. And for me, it's like reminding myself to stay focused on love bird and what I'm trying to do. And then as we grow, like get to these other places that also need help, help, uh, and obviously don't get me started on healthcare, but, um, there's, there's just a lot, right. And we need people like you and people like myself and people listening to, you know, if they see a problem, they start talking about it. Yes. And if you have the ability, uh, do something about it. And I always have an open door uh, for anybody. Uh, I was benefited from a lot of other people in the community early on. And just email me direct, Parker at lovebirdfoods.com. Uh, talk to a lot of people about that had business ideas or just how to get started or thinking about this or that. Uh, I mean, everything from you know, clean snacks. I send emails to people and uh, I'm just here to help, right? Like, I think we're better together, period. Uh, And once we're aligned around a purpose and a cause, like the sky's the limit and we can really create the future that we desperately need. Absolutely. Beautifully, beautifully said. Um, I don't even know where to go from here because that was so <laughs> profound. Um, okay, so in closing, you just provided a wonderful resource, basically putting yourself out there for anyone to email you to chat about business ideas or changing the world or all of the above. What other resources can you share in closing? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to you mentioned the comment around like uh 
my Instagram, like I create everything that's posted on there now. And it's actually become like my, my head, if I wasn't talking to you, would be spinning around in a circle, uh, trying to run this business. You're doing an awesome job. Yeah. And create content, which is not easy. So hats off to to you and all the other content creators out there. I mean, it's an art and a a labor of love for sure. Yeah. Uh, But no, check, check out lovebird at eat lovebird on Instagram, uh, having some activity on TikTok now as well. Mm. trying to build out the blog a little bit more and bringing on someone to help with curating and creating some more content. Cause I, I, I do, if, if lovebird does nothing else, if you do not even buy a single box of cereal, uh, please follow. And hopefully the content helps you in some way because the mission isn't just to, to sell cereal. It's to raise, you know, wellness consciousness and elevate, some of these issues that just aren't talked about as much and that we need more focus on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your Instagram, it's, it's very educational, approachable. It's also beautifully, beautifully designed. So it's a great resource. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Now I'm all fired up and want to go <laughs> change the world even more. Yeah. <laughs> go start a protest. Oh. Thank you.